0: Chapter 11, Part 3 of The Quest of the Historical Jesus. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Quest of the Historical Jesus by Albert Schweitzer, translated by William Montgomery. Chapter 11, Part 3 Bruno Bauer. Bauer hated the theologians for still holding fast to the barbarous conception. That a great man had forced himself into a stereotyped and unspiritual system and in that way had set in motion great ideas whereas he held that that would have signified the death of both the personality and the ideas but this hatred is only the surface symptom of another hatred which goes deeper than theology going down indeed to the very depths of the christian conception of the world bruno bauer hates not only the theologians but christianity and hates it because it expresses a truth in a wrong way it is a religion which has become petrified in a transitional form a religion which ought to have led on to the true religion has usurped the place of the true religion and in this petrified form it holds prisoner all the real forces of religion Religion is the victory over the world of the self-conscious ego. It is only when the ego grasps itself in its antithesis to the world as a whole, and is no longer content to play the part of a mere walking gentleman in the world drama, but faces the world with independence and reserve, that the necessary conditions of universal religion are present. These conditions came into being with the rise of the Roman Empire, in which the individual suddenly found himself helpless and unarmed in face of a world in which he could no longer find free play for his activities, but must stand prepared at any moment to be ground to powder by it. The self-conscious ego, recognizing this position, found itself faced by the necessity of breaking loose from the world and standing alone, in order, in this way, to overcome the world victory over the world by alienation from the world these were the ideas out of which christianity was born but it was not the true victory over the world christianity remained at the stage of violent opposition to the world miracle to which christian religion has always appealed and to which it gives a quite fundamental importance is the appropriate symbol of this false victory over the world There are some wonderfully deep thoughts scattered through Bauer's critical investigations. He says, Man's realization of his personality is the death of nature, but in the sense that he can only bring about this death by the knowledge of nature and its laws, that is to say, from within, being himself essentially the annihilation and negation of nature. Spirit honors and recognizes the worth of the very thing which it negates spirit does not fume and bluster and rage and rave against nature as it is supposed to do in miracle for that would be the denial of its inner law but quietly works its way through the antithesis. in short the death of nature implied in the conscious realization of personality is the resurrection of nature in a nobler form not the maltreatment mockery and insult to which it would be exposed by miracle Close quote not only miracle however but the portrait of jesus christ as drawn in the gospels is a stereotyping of that false idea of victory over the world the christ of the gospel history thought of as a really historic figure would be a figure at which humanity would shudder a figure which could only inspire dismay and horror the historical jesus if he really existed can only have been one who reconciled in his own consciousness the antithesis which obsessed the jewish mind namely the separation between god and man he cannot in the process of removing this antithesis have called into existence a new principle of religious division and alienation nor can he have shown the way of escape by the principle of inwardness from the bondage of the law only to impose a new set of legal fetters the christ of the gospel history on the other hand is man exalted by the religious consciousness to heaven who even if he comes down to earth to do miracles to teach and to suffer is no longer a true man the son of man of religion even though his mission be to reconcile is man as alienated from himself this christ of the gospel history the ego exalted to heaven and become god overthrew antiquity and conquered the world in the sense that he exhausted it of all its vitality this magnified ego would have fulfilled its historical vocation if by means of the terrible disorganization into which it threw the real spirit of mankind it had compelled the latter to come to a knowledge of itself to become self-conscious with a thoroughness and decisiveness which had not been possible to the simple spirit of antiquity it was disastrous that the figure which stood for the first emancipation of the ego remained alive that transformation of the human spirit which was brought about by the encounter of the world power of rome with philosophy was represented by the gospels under the influence of the old testament as realized in a single historical personality and the strength of the spirit of mankind was swallowed up by the omnipotence of a pure absolute ego an ego which was alien from actual humanity the self-consciousness of humanity finds itself reflected in the gospels a self indeed in alienation from itself and therefore a grotesque parody of itself but after all in some sense itself hence the magical charm which attracted mankind and enchained it and so long as it had not truly found itself urged it to sacrifice everything to grasp the image of itself to prefer it to all other and all else counting all as the apostle says but dung in comparison with it even when the roman world was no more and a new world had come into being the christ so created did not die the magic of his enchantment became only more terrible and as new strength came flooding into the old world The time arrived when it was to accomplish its greatest work of destruction. Spirit, in its abstraction, became a vampire, the destroyer of the world. Sap and strength, blood and life, it sucked to the last drop out of humanity. Nature and art, family, nation, state, all were destroyed by it. And in the ruins of the fallen world, the ego, exhausted by its efforts, remained the only surviving power having made a desert all about it the ego could not immediately create anew out of the depths of its inner consciousness nature and art nation and state the awful process which now went on the only activity of which it was now capable was the absorption into itself of all that had hitherto had life in the world the ego was now everything and yet it was a void it had become the universal power And yet, as it brooded over the ruins of the world, it was filled with horror at itself, and with despair at all that it had lost. The ego which had devoured all things, and was still a void, now shuddered at itself. Under the oppression of this awful power, the education of mankind has been going on. Under this grim taskmaster, it has been preparing for a true freedom preparing to rouse itself from the depths of its distress to escape from its opposition to itself and cast out that alien ego which is wasting its substance odysseus has now returned to his home not by favor of the gods not laid on the shore in sleep but awake by his own thought and his own strength perchance as of yore he will have need to fight with the suitors who have devoured his substance And sought to rob him of all he holds most dear. Odysseus must string the bow once more. The baleful charm of the self alienated ego is broken the moment anyone proves to the religious sense of mankind that the Jesus Christ of the Gospels is its creation, and ceases to exist as soon as this is recognized the formation of the church and the arising of the idea that the jesus of the gospels is the messiah are not two different things they are one and the same thing they coincide and synchronize but the idea was only the imaginative conception of the church the first movement of its life the religious expression of its experience the question which has so much exercised the minds of men whether jesus was the historic christ that is messiah is answered in the sense that everything that the historical christ is everything that is said of him everything that is known of him belongs to the world of imagination that is to the imagination of the christian community and therefore has nothing to do with any man who belongs to the real world the world is now free and ripe for a higher religion in which the ego will overcome nature not by self-alienation but by penetrating it and ennobling it to the theologian we may fling as a gift the shreds of his former science when we have torn it to pieces that will be something to occupy himself with that time may not hang heavy upon his hands in the new world whose advent is steadily drawing nearer thus the task which bower had set himself at the beginning of his criticism of the gospel history turned, before he had finished, into something different. When he began, he thought to save the honor of Jesus and to restore his person from the state of inanition to which the apologists had reduced it, and hoped by furnishing a proof that the historical Jesus could not have been the Jesus Christ of the Gospels, to bring him into a living relation with history. This task, however, was given up in favor of the larger one, of freeing the world from the domination of the Judeo-Roman idol, Jesus the Messiah. And in carrying out this endeavor, the thesis that Jesus Christ is a product of the imagination of the early church is formulated in such a way that the existence of a historical Jesus becomes problematical or, at any rate, quite indifferent. At the end of his study of the Gospels, bauer is inclined to make the decision of the question whether there ever was a historic jesus depend on the result of a further investigation which he proposed to make into the pauline epistles it was not until 10 years later 1850 through 1851 that he accomplished this task and applied the result in his new edition of the criticism of the gospel history the result is negative there never was any historical Jesus. While criticizing the four great Pauline epistles, which the Tübingen school fondly imagined to be beyond the reach of criticism, Bauer shows, however, his inability to lay a positive historic foundation for his view of the origin of Christianity. The transference of the epistles to the second century is effected in so arbitrary a fashion that it refutes itself. However, This work professes to be only a preliminary study for a larger one, in which the new theory was to be fully worked out. This did not appear until 1877. It was entitled, Christ and the Caesars, How Christianity Originated from the Greco-Roman Civilization. The historical basis for his theory, which he here offers, is even more unsatisfactory than that suggested in the preliminary work on the Pauline Epistles. There is no longer any pretense of following an historical method. The whole thing works out into an imaginary picture of the life of Seneca. Nero's tutor had, Bauer thinks, already in his inmost consciousness, fully attained to inner opposition to the world. There are expressions in his works which, in their mystical emancipation from the world, prelude the utterances of Paul. The same thoughts since they belong not to Seneca only, but to his time, are found also in the works of the three poets of the Neronian period, Perseus, Lucan, and Petronius. Though they had but a feeble breath of the divine Athletus, they are interesting witnesses to the spiritual condition of the time. They, too, contributed to the making of Christianity. But Seneca, in spite of his inner alienation from the world, remained in active relations with the world he desired to found a kingdom of virtue upon earth at the courts of claudius and nero he used the arts of intrigue to further his ends and even quietly approved deeds of violence which he thought likely to serve his cause finally he grasped at the supreme power and paid the supreme penalty stoicism had made an attempt to reform the world and had failed the great thinkers began to despair of exercising any influence upon history. The Senate was powerless. All public bodies were deprived of their rights. Then a spirit of resignation came over the world. The alienation from the world, which in Seneca had still been only half serious, was come in earnest. The time of Nero and Domitian was a great epoch in that hidden spiritual history, which goes silently forward, side by side, with the noisy outward history of the world. When Stoicism, in this development, had been deepened by the introduction of Neoplatonic ideas, it was on its way to become the gospel. But, by itself, it would not have given birth to that new thing. It attached itself as a formative principle to Judaism, which was just then breaking loose from the limitations of nationality, bauer points to josephus as a type of this new roman judaism this neo-roman lived in the conviction that his god who had withdrawn from his temple would take possession of the world and make the roman empire submit to his law josephus realized in his life that for which the way had been spiritually prepared by philo the latter did not merely effect a fusion of jewish ideas with greek speculations he took advantage of the universal dominion established by the romans to found upon it his spiritual world bauer had already pictured him in this role in his work philo strauss renan and primitive christianity thus was the new religion formed the spirit of it came from the west the outward frame was furnished by judaism the new movement had two foci rome and alexandria philo's therapeutae were real people they were the forerunners of christianity under trajan the new religion began to be known pliny's letter asking for instructions as to how to deal with the new movement is its certificate of birth the original form of the letter must be understood not the present form which has undergone editing at the hands of christians the literary process by which the origin of the movement was thrown back to an earlier date in history lasted about fifty years when this latest work of bowers appeared he had long been regarded by theologians as an extinct force nay more had been forgotten and he had not even kept his promise he had not succeeded in showing what that higher form of victory over the world was which he declared superior to christianity and in place of the personality of jesus he had finally set up a hybrid thing laboriously compounded out of two personalities of so little substance as those of Seneca and Josephus, that was the end of his great undertaking. But it was a mistake to bury along with the Bower of the second period, also the Bower of the first period, the critic, for the latter was not dead. It was indeed nothing less than a misfortune that Strauss and Bower appeared within so short a time of one another. Bauer passed practically unnoticed, because everyone was preoccupied with Strauss. Another unfortunate thing was that Bauer overthrew with his powerful criticism the hypothesis which attributed real historical value to Mark, so that it lay for a long time disregarded, and there ensured a barren period of twenty years in the critical study of the life of Jesus. The only critic with whom Bauer can be compared is Rymaris each exercised a terrifying and disabling influence upon his time. No one else had been so keenly conscious as they of the extreme complexity of the problem offered by the life of Jesus. In view of this complexity, they found themselves compelled to seek a solution outside the confines of verifiable history. Rymarus, by finding the basis of the story of Jesus in a deliberate imposture on the part of the disciples. Bauer, by postulating an original evangelist who invented the history on this ground it was just that they should lose their case but in dismissing the solutions which they offered their contemporaries also dismissed the problems which had necessitated such solutions they dismissed them because they were as little able to grasp as to remove these difficulties but the time is past for pronouncing judgment upon the lives of christ On the ground of the solutions which they offer for us the great men are not those who solved the problems but those who discovered them Bauer's criticism of the gospel history is worth a good dozen lives of jesus because his work as we are only now coming to recognize after half a century is the ablest and most complete collection of the difficulties of the life of jesus which is anywhere to be found unfortunately by the independent the too loftily independent way in which he developed his ideas he destroyed the possibility of their influencing contemporary theology the shaft which he had driven into the mountain broke down behind him so that it needed the work of a whole generation to lay bare once more the veins of ore which he had struck his contemporaries could not suspect that the abnormality of his solutions was due to the intensity with which he grasped the problems as problems and that he had become blind to history by examining it too microscopically. Thus, for his contemporaries, he was a mere eccentric. But his eccentricity concealed a penetrating insight. No one else had as yet grasped with the same completeness the idea that primitive Christianity and early Christianity were not merely the direct outcome of the preaching of Jesus, not merely a teaching put into practice, but more, much more, since to the experience of which Jesus was the subject, there allied itself the experience of the world soul at a time when its body, humanity under the Roman Empire, lay in the throes of death. Since Paul, no one had apprehended so powerfully the mystical idea of the supersensible Soma Christon. Bauer transferred it to the historical plane and found the body of Christ in the Roman Empire. End of chapter 11